Good morning, Grace Church. Uh, I am not Woody. I am uh, I'm Mike Talley. I know there's, there's many of you that uh, may not know me, so I'm going to do a, a brief introduction of this. I'm uh, one of the elders at Grace. I also teach the Wolf class, kindergarten and, and first grade. I lead a men's Bible study on Tuesday night. If any of you guys are looking for a study, um, seven o'clock at night, there's a lady study at the same time. I also lead the missions team. Uh, you saw some of the places where we go, and uh, you always have an invitation to join me on trips. Um, I am just, uh, I'm just a regular guy that loves Jesus and loves people and loves God's word. And with all my heart, I want God to use me. And I am here. My prayer today, as, we, as I, I bring the word of God, is one thing, that I speak what God wants me to speak. And my prayer is that we all listen. This passage in Colossians is a fabulous passage. The most challenging thing about it is to fit it all in a, in a short time with a service. This is a great passage to, to really meditate on, to spend time during the week to go through. Uh, I am here today because um, when I was, just give you a, a brief part of my testimony. I grew up in, in Houston, Texas, near Houston, uh, was in a good moral home, uh, not a Christian home at all. I was baptized in the church as a baby, and as I grew up, the things, the values in my house were to be a good person, uh, sports, and academics, and I excelled in all of those. But my life was incredibly empty. There was no peace in my heart. Uh, I played basketball. Basketball, uh, that's where I got my identity from, and it was empty. When I was 18 years old, I realized I wasn't good enough to play in college, so I always just had this crisis. I didn't know I knew anybody that was a Christian. I didn't know what being a Christian meant. I believed in God, but he was distant. There was no, again, no peace in my heart. And so I was one of these guys that uh, thought, I acted like I thought I was better than a lot of people. A lot of athletes are that way. I was one of those, but on the inside, I was incredibly empty and I was just, there was, there was a lot of pain in my heart. And so out of that, at night, I would cry myself to sleep and I would say, Jesus, God, if you were there, send someone to me who will share with me how I can know you and find peace in my life and purpose for my life. Kid you not, this is a true story. About two days later, on a Saturday, I was at home by myself and there was a knock on the door. I answered the door and it was a classmate from school. His name was Steve. Steve said to me these words, he said, Mike, God has sent me to your house to share with you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and find meaning and purpose in your life. And for the very first time, I heard the gospel message and it pierced my heart like a knife. The proud person that I, that I am, that I was uh, at the time, he said, Mike, would you like to receive Jesus? And I said, no, thank you. I said, I'm okay, but that was a lie. I began to go to church, it took me about four months later. I began to uh, go to church almost every Sunday and hear the message taught. And finally, I came to a place, just a crisis time in my life where I, 
I realized I needed Jesus and I surrendered myself to him and he, is, he began to make a change in my life. There was a radical, radical change. My salvation experience was a radical change in my life. God turned my world upside down and I am still on mission with him. I know for sure when I die that I'll go to heaven and I, and I know God, God is real to me. So this passage in Colossians, as we get into it, let's go ahead. I'm, I made some slides here, I think. So um, let's, I'm gonna break this into, into pieces. So if you have your Bibles, follow along. It's also up here, you can follow along. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So in the beginning, it uses these words, if then you have been raised with Christ. It's a reference to a person who has been, um, it's a reference back to chapter two, where he talks about, we have died with Christ and we have raised again. For those of us who have been born again, who've put our faith in Jesus, that's who he's making reference to. Our old self, the Bible teaches, is dead and buried. We were spiritually dead in our sin, separated from God. And when we open our hearts, when we put our trust in Jesus's death and resurrection alone to save us, when we turn from our sin and trust in Jesus, there's a radical transformation that happens in our life. We become born again, a child of God. As Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. There is a, there is a radical thing that takes place at that moment we somehow are taken into, we become in Christ. So Jesus's past becomes ours and his future becomes ours. We have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. Nevertheless, I, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have been buried, we've died. Who we used to be, our old identity is dead, we become a new creation in Christ, amen? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. So I wanna talk for a moment. I wanna go ahead and flip to the next. I'm gonna come back here. This is what we're gonna talk about this morning. What does it mean to be in Christ or risen with Christ? There are four points. Our position in Christ as believers, if we are in Christ Set your mind, your heart on things above. Put to death what belongs to our earthly nature and to put on the new self. Those are basically, this passage is in three sections. Setting, because we're believers, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, set your mind and your heart on things above. Put to death what belongs to our earthly nature. We all know even, even though we have Christ in our lives, there's still a battle that goes on inside of us, isn't there? There's an incredible struggle that happens in our hearts to, to determine who we, who we allow to be Lord of our life. Who's on the throne of our heart? Is it, is it Jesus in his rightful place? Are we, uh, have we taken up uh, residency in the throne of our heart ourselves? Or 
if you're here this morning and you have no peace in your heart, you are not in Christ. We're gonna talk about that first. So I wanna talk about our position in Christ. Do we understand who we are in Christ? We'll go ahead and flip to the next. These are some things from this passage and from other places. What is the position of a believer? We need to understand men and women of God, young people, who we are in Christ and what God has done in us, what has happened to us at salvation and the calling that God has on our life. From Colossians 3.1, we are risen with Christ. We have resurrection life in us. We have died with Christ. I quoted that, that verse from uh, Galatians 2. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And thy life, I now live in this body. I live by what? By faith. We live by faith. We, we have been crucified. We have died with Christ. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3, this passage. I have life in Christ. This is what uh, verse three, uh, when Christ, verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Who is our life? Where do we get life from? Where do we try to get life from? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's not a life that's free of suffering and pain, is it? But in the midst of, of difficulty, there is life. Where are we trying to get life? Are we trying to get it from anything other than Jesus? If we are, we're gonna come up empty. Life is found in Jesus. Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life is found in him. We as followers of Christ have that access to him. He gives us life, abundant life, full life, life to the fullest. Um, I will be with Christ forever in heaven. Verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him where? In glory. We have a certainty as believers. Because I have trusted in Jesus, because I'm a child of God, because I am born again, I will spend eternity in heaven. If I draw my last breath today, my soul will be in the presence of Jesus. Amen? That's our future. That is a guarantee for us. I have, um, I have equal standing with all other believers, Colossians 3, 11. He goes on, on to say um, that there is no Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised. We, are, we all have equal access as believers to the presence of God, right? Amen? Um, I am chosen by God, Colossians 3, 12 says that, uh, verse 12, let me read this. So then as, as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, well-beloved, put it on a heart of compassion. We are loved by, by God, we are chosen by God. Uh, John 15, 16, Jesus says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Who chooses us? God does. The creator of the universe has chosen you and me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you 
to go and bear fruit that will last. Do you, do you know, do you realize that? That God has called us and chosen us to do what? To bear fruit. That's as, as we allow him, as we allow the Holy Spirit to live through us. We are chosen by God. Um, 1 Peter 2.9 says this, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. He has called us out of darkness into life. You are you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Do you believe that? That's what God says about us. Okay, let's go on. I am loved by God, Romans 5.8. Anybody have that quoted? God showed his love for us, but while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When did Jesus die for us? When we had it all together? While we were sinners, when we were living and walking in sin. Jesus met us where we are, where we lived, right? God showed his love for us, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Salvation is nothing we earn. It's by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. Can we earn salvation? If we could earn salvation, then Jesus died on the cross unnecessarily, right? The reason Jesus died on the cross is because we could not, we cannot save ourselves, right? Okay, so anybody that thinks they can be good enough and earns their salvation have missed it. Okay, let's go on. I am, I am holy, set apart. Do you believe that? God says we are holy. When God, uh, when he started the book of Colossians, who does he address it to? The sinners in Colossia? No, he says the saints in Colossians. We, do we still sin? Absolutely. But God sees us uh, through the lens of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Okay, I am holy, set apart. I am delivered from the domain of darkness, Colossians 1.13, I just read that. Does Satan have any place in our life anymore other than what we give him as believers? Should he? No. We have been delivered from the domain of darkness and we've been brought in to the kingdom of light. I am a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus. Are you a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? If we put our faith in Christ, we have. I am redeemed, Colossians 1.14. To go back, we studied that a few weeks ago. Um, I'm gonna read this from Colossians chapter one, verse 13 and 14. For he has rescued us. And I'm gonna, sorry, give me a second. I have the amplified version in here, ESV. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you, have your sins been forgiven? Did Jesus pay the penalty for all of our sins? Amen? The word redeemed, it's the picture of this, of a person in their day who would be uh, a slave and would be sold in the market. 
but someone comes and purchases them. But instead of you, uh, cause, instead of them continuing to be a slave, he sets them free. That's what, that's what Jesus has done for us. But we belong to Jesus now. He has purchased us with his blood. Um, I am delivered from the domain of darkness. I, I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I am redeemed. I am fully forgiven. I am reconciled to God, Colossians 1.22. I am a child of God, John 1.12. For those who receive him, for those who put their faith in him, he gives the privilege to be what? Child of God. I am born again. Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Go into the next. I am condemnation free. Aren't you glad about that? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. I am a new creation in Christ. I want y'all to take just a moment and turn with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us what? A ministry of reconciliation. Who has been given a ministry of reconciliation? Is that for every believer? Are we all, according to the scripture, ministers of God? We may not be vocational, but God says he has called us to be a minister of reconciliation. Is that true of you? If you're a follower of Christ, it is. That that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. How many of you came to Christ because someone shared the gospel with you? Just raise your hand. Most of us have. They, either an individual, a mom or dad or parent, or someone uh, preaching a, a, a sermon, most of us heard from someone. Maybe a few people read the Bible and became a follower of Christ through that, put their trust in Jesus. We are, God has chosen to work through us. He has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. That's part of the reason we go on mission. Because God has called us to go and join him. He says, go and preach the gospel to whom? To all creation throughout the earth. Does God want everybody to hear a clear message of the gospel? And who is to tell them? Just elders, just preachers, or all of us? It's all of us to do it, right? So we are, verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Who is an ambassador of Christ? All of us who follow Christ, who've trusted in Jesus, right? Let me ask you a question. Um, We're going next to Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic, the United States has an ambassador, a US ambassador to Dominican Republic, right? Is that person important? 
That person can make decisions. He what do they do? They represent the United States. They, they've been given authority to do things, to make decisions. To um, Let me ask you a question. We're in a, what, who are we, whose ambassadors are we? The Lord's. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, right? Of Jesus's kingdom. Let me ask you a question. Which kingdom is greater, the United States or, or God's kingdom? Who has a higher position, us as believers or the ambassador to Dominican Republic? We do. Men and women of God, young people, you are God's ambassador. You have been entrusted with the gospel. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are a child of God. You have been set free from darkness and you're, you're now part, um, you're in the kingdom of light. Let's go on. I am a preacher of the gospel. Do you believe that? We all are. Mark 16, 15, go and preach the gospel to all creation throughout the earth. I am a disciple who makes disciples. Jesus said, Matthew 28, 19, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Who is called to make disciples? All of us, right? Okay, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit, amen? We have been at salvation when I was born again, when we were born again, the Holy Spirit has come to live in us. Let's go to the next slide. I am Holy Spirit empowered to be his witness, Acts 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit does many things in our life. He helps us in life transformation. He gives us words to say, but he also empowers us to be what? His witness. I have been, I, I have been, there's a typo here. I've been given everything I need for life and godliness. Second Peter 1, 3 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and, God, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and, and goodness. Men and women of God, have we given, been given everything we need to live a godly life? to live above our circumstances? Have we been given everything we need to make a difference in the world? Have we? The Holy Spirit, we have the word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. Man, we are sons and daughters of God and we need to live like it. We need to stop sitting on our backsides and we need to get up. Amen? Amen. God has called us to follow him into the world to make a difference. Okay, let's go on to the next one. So what keeps us from setting our minds on things above, on eternal things? What does he say? Set your mind on things above, not on this earth. The, the word there is to set your mind in your hearts. Where is our heart? Where is our mind? What are we focusing on? If we're living our lives in, there's no power in our life, there's no peace in our life, something is wrong. Let's go into the next slide. Do you ever feel like that? This is one of my favorite pictures. You know, the thing, I, I don't struggle so much with departing from God, I don't. But I get overloaded, my wife can tell you this. I do, I feel like this donkey. But Jesus, we have one who says, uh, to come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Isn't that right? Cast your care upon him, for he cares for you. We just need to reorientate our life. We need to call time out. I tell you what, I know, um, dads, I hope you appreciate what your, what your wife does with young kids. It's hard, isn't it? Amen. Do I get an amen from that from any of the, of the moms? Let's go on to the next. Set your mind and your heart on things above. You gotta be intentional. We gotta get in the word. We have to have, God, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, but we need to live intentionally. We need to be plugged in with other people. I need, I need people in my life to stay healthy. I need other men and, and my wife too, other people speaking truth into me to keep me dead center, to keep my focus right. If you're trying to live life alone, then you're, you're gonna struggle. Let's go into the next. Put to death what belongs to our earthly nature. Let's go on. Put to death, put those things to death. I'm gonna say before we go on um, to this next part, if you're here today and you have no peace in your life, If you have no peace in your life, or if you're here today and you're not sure that you'll go to heaven, if these things we've just read off, if they're foreign to you and you're, you identify with my testimony, there is no peace, you can take care of that today. You can open your heart. Jesus is right here. And, and salvation is available to you. It's while you were a sinner, Christ died for us. Okay, let's go on. Colossians 3, 5 through 9. I think I just lost my place in my notes. Uh, put to death what is earthly in you. What is earthly in you? We have a struggle in us, don't we? There's a struggle that happens. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, that passion is an evil passion. It's not wrong to be passionate about things. The implication there is an evil passion. And covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. You used to walk, that's your old life. To put to death those things. Um, and then he gives a, a list of that. Let's go to the next slide. This is my friend, um, the guy in the reddish purple. His name is Nicodemus. That's his, that's his given name. I'm not sure. He is a Maasai pastor. I worked, and uh, the young-looking guy, young guy there is me when I, before I had gray hair. So I'm sitting, and Nicodemus is sharing. This other man is also a Maasai who's left the tribe. So he's there, and he's sharing the gospel. He's sharing this. Uh, evangelism with them. I went, God called me to go to Tanzania and work in 2007. And I went there and I began, um, I was the, the strategy coordinator for Tanzania. One time early in 2008, we were trying to, we started training centers all over to reach the whole country with the gospel. And we saw God do amazing things there. 2008, um, I was seated, I was just praying by Lake Victoria. It was just me. I had a, a, a free day. 
And I was praying. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And in front of me walked this Maasai man. He was dressed in full Maasai garb. And his name was Noah. I still remember it. We had a conversation with him. Um, not much of a conversation because he only spoke a little English. And I didn't have a translator. But God said to me, I'm calling you to reach this people, the Maasai people of the gospel. At the time, they were unreached people. They were an unreached people group. Um, and so we began to, to train Maasai people and we began to pray for three years. We prayed this. On this trip, this was in 2011. And we were trying to get into this restricted area that was restricted from the government. There were tons, thousands upon thousands of Maasai, unreached villages all over that area. We prayed for three years and we thought we were getting in. We stayed there for, uh, for two, um, we prayed for three years. We came here, we were there four days and still we couldn't get in. On day five, let me uh, switch to this right here. Next slide. God opened the door. This is a Maasai village. This was the day that we, uh, we went in. You can't see it from the picture very well. Do you see the hands raised? So Maasai people, instead of going house to house and presenting the gospel individually, it's a, the whole group. If the chief invites you in, then you're in. These are people raising their hands. Uh, we had a Maasai translator from English to Maasai, and these people are all, they're receiving Jesus. That was the day then God just opened everything. It was open wide up. All that whole area opened to the gospel. Now there, there, are, there are hundreds of churches, Maasai churches planted everywhere. And, and I just shared this story for you because sometimes the Christian walk, when we pray and we do things, it takes time. I'm still in process myself. This is not an instant, we live in a microwave society, but um, this is, this is a, just an amazing thing that God is doing all throughout the world. Let's go to the next slide. This is a Maasai warrior. Has anybody ever seen a Maasai? So my friend Nicodemus, I have, this is actually what he's holding in his hand. This is called a lion killer. It's a, it's a club. And I also have, this was given to me when we went into that village. Um, this is a Maasai knife in a sheath. So my friend Nicodemus, it used to be a custom that they would, it was a, a rite of passage. You, you, some of you may know this. To, to become a man, you had to kill a lion. You, you had a club, you had a knife, and you see the Maasai, they wore these red things. It's not camouflage. It's not like you're, you're there, you're gonna jump this lion. And you had a stick. This is a Maasai stick, actually. This is one of my favorite possessions that I have, that I was given. I was given this by one of the elders of that village you just saw. And they, they made me a Maasai. Oh, sorry. They made me a, they gave me a Maasai name. My Maasai name is Parmalak. Did y'all, anybody ever know that before? So Parmalak means he who bears fruit in, in Maasai. So you take this thing, go to the next slide. So uh, let me tell you this about Nicodemus. This is not Aslan 
And it's not, it's not Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah in this example, okay? This, is, this lion represents your adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion. So Nicodemus, here's a, this is a true story. I asked Nicodemus this. Nicodemus, I said, Nicodemus, is it true that some Maasai people had to kill a lion with their bare hands? Well, bare hands plus a club and, and a knife. He opens his shirt up. He has these huge claw marks all across his chest. He said, yeah, it's true. And I, I said, well, I take it since I'm talking to you that you beat the lion. He said, yeah, I did. So he went through the rite of passage. Let's go to the next thing. Here's some facts about lions. You didn't know you were gonna get this nature lesson while in service, did you? A mature male lion is five and a half feet to eight feet long. Their tail is another 27 to 41 inches long. They weigh 330 to 570 pounds. Did you know that? Isn't that pretty cool? They eat 20, a male lion eats 20 to 100 pounds of meat per day. Their roar can be heard five miles away. Have you ever heard a, a lion roar? You know, one time I was on safari. I've, I have been, I kid you not, and I, I'm glad the lion didn't attack me. We were in on safari in this, and we were walking down, we were driving down this road. I was two feet away from a male lion. A true story. The road was, was down below in the side. He was walking on the side and we were face to face. He looked at me and he, he roared. They can roar really loud. <laughs> a lion can run as fast as 50 miles per hour. Do you think you can outrun a lion? They can leap up to 36 feet. A lion running could, could jump the stage from one side to the other. So now how many of you, you kids are glad you don't have to fight a lion for your rite of passage to become a man? <laughs> All this to say, <laughs> you know what the Bible tells about us? To, tells us Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I tell you what, if you're gonna fight a lion, if you're a Messiah, you better understand who you're fighting and how strong they are and how powerful they are. Somebody told me once, I do not believe this, that Satan is like a toothless lion. I don't believe that at all. But what I do believe is that, that God protects us. And then and when we walk in the ways of God, that he builds a shield around us and nothing can happen to me unless it's allowed by God. Do you believe that? I mean, I do. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Do you know Satan has a plan for you and your family? Do you believe that? He does. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy you and your family. He wants to separate you from God and he wants to separate people from the church. Do you believe that? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, in the evil day and having done everything to stand. He goes on, he talks about putting on your armor. 
in that day, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me ask you, men and women of God, are you armed and ready to fight? Are you armed and ready to protect your family? Are you ready to go on offensive? Jesus said this, God does not call his church to stay in a bunker. He does not call his church to sit in a pew. He calls us to go out and be his witnesses and make disciples and preach the gospel. He calls us to be on mission with him. And Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A sword is it both a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon? Is it not? It blocks the, the attacks of the enemy, but it is, it is also an offensive weapon. We need to hold tightly to the word of God, and that's what we want to do at Grace Church. We want, we as elders, as a church, believe the word of God is central. You guys know that. And that we want, God calls us to be on mission with him. That God calls all of us to be active in what we do. Be strong in the Lord, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be intentional and fight with courage. If you're gonna defeat a lion, you gotta have courage and you gotta be intentional and you better have your armor on or he will destroy you, amen? Okay, let's go on. Put to death, therefore, what is in earthly in you. You know what? earthly in you. Do you guys, do you know there's a battle that goes on within us? The Holy Spirit lives in me. I am a child of God. I am born again. I am a new creation in Christ, but I still have a sin nature that I struggle with. There's still, that's a process of growth, of becoming like Jesus in our attitudes, in our actions. There's, there's three enemies I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight, I believe are highlighted, are three enemies in particular that, we need to be conscious of. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What does it mean to put something to death? Kill it. Amen? Take it seriously. These first items, sexual immorality, uh, impurity, evil passion, evil desires. I'll tell you what, guys, there's something, we live in a culture that is so sexually oriented. You know that. Pornography is right in front of us. Kill it. Shut it off. Take it seriously. Don't let Satan, don't give him a door into your house to destroy your family through it. Covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, the, 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 it says it's idolatry. I believe the thing that is idolatry, I believe what we worship and we put on our hearts if we're not careful is ourselves. Self, self has to get off the throne. Why do I want something? Why do I think I covet something? I want something else so badly. It's because I'm living for me and that's what I want. Jesus said, if you're gonna follow me, deny yourself daily, take up your cross and follow me, right? Amen? These things are part of the old you. They are not part of who we are in Christ anymore, Right? We still battle with them. Kill them. Take it seriously. This is not who you are in Christ. Colossians 3, 8, and 9 says this. Um, let me go back there. I think, do we ha have it? 
Next slide. He gives a second list. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Put those things away. Anger, is, your, is anger a part of your life? There is a righteous anger, but most of the time our anger is not a righteous anger. It's because I, I don't get my way. It's an indicator that I am on the throne of my heart. What about lying? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Uh, lying, we can lie to ourselves. We need to let the, God, let the word of God be a mirror to our hearts. Amen? Okay, let's go to the next one. Do you know this, um, I have the, the words up there, kill the snake. Do y'all know there's supposedly a true story about this? Do y'all, have y'all heard this story before? There is this woman that had a python and it was a pet python and she would feed it uh, mice and rats and things like that and she would let this snake sleep with her. I don't know why anybody would wanna do that, but she did. And so after a while, that snake, uh, it wouldn't stop eating. And so she took it to the vet. And you know what the vet said? Because the woman said, I said, well, did the snake act weird? And he said, well, it's kind of lay its body around me and stuff like this, kind of weird stuff. And, and, the, and the vet said to this, that snake is measuring it up. It wants to eat you. And her advice, his advice to her, kill the snake Men and women of God, let's stop messing around with sin. Kill it. That's what, the, that's what the word of God says. Kill the snake. Amen? Okay, let's go to the next. Put on the new self. Let's go to the next slide. I'm gonna read this from uh, beginning in Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put what, do you, what are we to put on? Did you guys, I think all of us got dressed this morning. I don't think you slept in what you're wearing right now, did you? I mean, were you guys intentional this morning when you got dressed or did you just throw stuff on? I mean, I, I thought about what I was gonna read. My wife and I had a, we had a discussion, Darla and I did, about what I was gonna wear this morning. I was intentional of that. And I tell you what, I put, on, I put on my clothes one piece at a time. These things God says we're to put on. And if you notice the things in this list, they're very similar to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and faith. Amen, right? Put them on. Be filled with the Spirit. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. These are characteristics of, of what Jesus is. Um, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, our, our gentleness and patience. That word meekness means gentleness and, and patience. Bearing with one another. You know what? We need to put up with people sometimes. I'm glad people put up with me. I'm glad my wife puts up with me, for sure. 
Be patient. Understand that we're all in process. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, how? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Is, is there unforgiveness in your heart? You know, the, the Bible says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up within you and that by it many are defiled. Let no root of bitterness unforgiveness, if we understand, do you understand the, the, the extent to which God has forgiven us? While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He canceled all of our debt. Amen? Why do we hold things against people? Why do we not let go? We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Men and women of God, our lives are a reflection of Jesus. People get a picture of what Jesus is like by, the, by what we display. We are his ambassadors. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. These things will be evident in our lives when our minds and hearts are set on things above, fixed on Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. If we wanna live lives like this that make a difference, we can't do it without our, our minds and our hearts fixed on Jesus. Jesus must be our passion. We must rely on the Holy Spirit to enable us to make a difference in the world. We have a choice. We can, we can put ourselves on the throne of our hearts or let him rule in us. I don't know about you, but I'm still in process of that. And every day I, I want, I start my day just surrendering myself to God in worship and surrender. These other things in the past, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this. You know, I said one of the hardest things about preaching this sermon is I'm, I don't feel like I'm, I'm done yet. Um, verse 13, bear with one another. Verse 13 again, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Above everything, put on love. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, verse 15. Let the peace of God, you know God wants to give you peace in your life? We need to let his peace rule in our hearts. And it's all a choice of where we put our minds. Where we put our heart, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And what does it say? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Be thankful. You know, um, one way to pull ourselves or to get out of depression is to begin to be thankful, to just listen. Do we have things to be thankful for? We, we as humans, we as people, if you're like me, have a tendency to focus on negative things on the bad things, the problems in life. That's why the scripture says in the very beginning, set your mind and hearts on things above. We've got to do that continually. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and encourage each other, verse 16. Worship God always with a thankful heart. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Amen. 
Let's go, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's just bow our heads. Um, Lord, we read these things. We see these things in your word. And uh, we understand, Lord, who we are in you. Your word is clear. And I pray this morning, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, who hasn't put their trust in you, who has no peace, then Lord, that they would, would open their hearts right now and surrender themselves to you. Um, guys, with your, with your hearts, your eyes just bowed, is there anybody in here that you wanna give your heart to Jesus right now? You wanna receive him? You're not sure that you would go to heaven if you died? Anybody? Okay. Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, we give you our hearts and we know, Jesus, that salvation is found in no one else, but it's found in you, that you gave your life for us. And Lord, as your men, as your men and women here, kids here, Jesus, we need you. We absolutely need you. Thank you for dying for us, giving your life for us. And even now, we just thank you that the door into your presence is wide open, Jesus, because of what you've done. That your throne is a throne of grace where we can come boldly to receive grace and mercy. Lord, we need your help. Holy Spirit, empower us to live for you. Holy Spirit, convict us of things that we need to surrender to you. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, do a deep work in our lives. Draw us to yourself, have your way in us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we cry out to you, um, we know that you'll help us, Lord. We know that you desire for us to put these things away, to kill these things and to put these things on. So Lord, uh, just have your way in us, we pray. And we just thank you, Jesus, for all the great things you've done for us. And we pray this in your name, amen.